Don't pay retail for your diamond engagement ring or gift. Come to CleanOrigin.com. Founded by a leading family in the diamond industry for more than a century, we're experts in lab-grown diamonds because that's all we do. Clean Origin, the only diamond jewelers who give you a 100-day, no-questions-asked return on your purchase. Head to CleanOrigin.com or one of our retail stores and mention code RADIO10 for 10% off your purchase. That's CleanOrigin.com, code RADIO10. I was honored to be invited again to the Charlotte Podcast Festival, and then as a part of Charlotte Shout, which was supposed to be this week, and then it was postponed uh, because of COVID restrictions. And that didn't mean that I still couldn't talk to the very, very special guests. We were put together, I gotta say thank you and a shout out to Brian Baltashevitz at the Queen City Podcast Network, who said, oh, I know who you need to talk to. And even though we were going to do it live and in front of an audience and it was going to be really special, I said, I'm still got to talk to her. So, Brian, thank you for putting the two of us together for this extremely, extremely emotional and very special conversation this week. All this energy and joy that I carry, I can't constantly put it on the chopping block with someone that I know can't handle or manage this love and energy so it's like just believe what they've been showing still show love but i I release you to love and light but like i gotta protect mine too so what is the sound of one man listening this is man listening a fresh podcast featuring the stories of strong women who bounce back man listening because every woman deserves to be heard hi there i'm stuart watson and welcome to man listening When I say Ohavia Phillips can light up a room, that doesn't do it justice. She could light up a stadium. She could light up an arena. She could light up, you know, city blocks, whole neighborhoods. That smile, she is a presence. She is a force. I don't care if it's YouTube, podcasting, TV screens, live appearances. The woman has energy like nobody you've ever seen. And, um, Brian Baltashevitz put us together, and sure enough, it was just real. It was like meeting somebody you've known your whole life. It became a really special and a very emotional conversation. Thank you, Ohavia Phillips. Where were you born? Oh, I was born in Brooklyn. Hospital or home? I was born in a hospital, uh, St. Vincent Hospital. For your mother, you're number what of how many? I am the oldest of five. So, how long before the next one came? Yeah, so I'm 28, my sister is 26, so two years, yep. And then uh, my brothers, Jared, Jordan, Justin, Jared is 23, Jordan is 17, and Justin is 15. Are they back in New York, or did they move south too? I'm so grateful, Stuart, they're here, so we're all here. But well, like, the family's split in half, so like some here, some there. Did you grow up there, here? Here, for sure. So like, I spent a big bulk of like my tween years there, and then when I was 14, 15, we moved here to Charlotte. What was your name on your birth certificate, your full name? Yes, Ohavia Phillips. I don't have a middle name. And where did Ohavia come from? Oh my gosh, this is my favorite story to tell. So my mom is a registered nurse. Uh, she's been a registered nurse for about 30 years. Her very first patient's daughter's name was Ohavia. So my mom heard the name, Stuart, and she was like, this is so gorgeous, what does it mean? The mother told my mom, oh, Ohavia Ahava, 
in Hebrew means to love. So it's like a lover of, it's the highest form of like love. God's love, 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 love. When I tell you my mom knew what she was doing, like, cause that's so my personality. I love people and I love the things I do and everything with me is like energy and love. And so literally, so the only thing is though, my mom is Afro-Latina and she's from Brooklyn. So she, she couldn't remember um, Ahava. So she was like, let me see, Ohavia. <laughs> that's how we got Ohavia. Cause she was like, Ohavia. Afro-Latina. Yes. There's a lot in there. What flavor, what uh, ethnicity or country of origin Latina? Yes, Stuart. So uh, I am Costa Rican. I'm a Costa Rican ah. descent, Guanacaste, Costa Rica. But my great-grandparents were born and raised in Barranquilla, Colombia. Uh -huh. um, and also we are Jamaican, so St. Catherine Parish. So Jamaican, Costa Rican, just beautifully black. So. You've got the whole thing <laughs> yep. going on. Yep. And I've been told that in Colombia and in Costa Rica, those two places, people love life. They do. They're well, yeah. happy. Yeah, we are like genuinely happy people. And it has a lot to do with the land, but also I think it's our resilience, you know? It's like we've created everything from like food. We've had our hand in many things. So food and culture, art. I mean, so yeah, I'm very proud to be uh, just a descendant of all the things. And I'm just like, just want to make my grandparents proud, mom proud, dad well, proud. Well, I've read books that said that compared various countries mm -hmm. and usually people compare by something like money. Yeah. But they actually tried to um, survey and measure for self-reported happiness. Yeah. And um, I know Colombia, but also Costa Rica. Mm -hmm. I mean, what's not to love? It's beautiful. It's right? such a beautiful place. I agree. I agree. So I was too young to go when my family went, so I got to go. Don't be mad at me. I still got to go. I you visit. have not been? I haven't been yet. I was too young at the time. <laughs> let's get out the. Let yeah, me get my phone. We're gonna get the. It. We're gonna get Travelocity. We're Say less. Get, let's do it. <laughs> because it's not that much. You could fly nonstop from Charlotte Douglas. I know, and also don't be mad at me. I just got a passport. Well, but I mean, yeah. you got your passports. Yeah. You got your vaccination card. We're ready to go. There you go. In Costa Rica, you got the jungle. You got yeah. the um, rainforest. Yeah, that's where I want to go first. The rainforest. Um, oh, it's so wonderful. Yes, and like uh, riding jeeps uh, down the hill because we have it's very hilly back home. So like they ride jeeps up and down the hill. I want to do that. And to understand, to understand you. Yeah. What do I need to know about your mother? That's amazing. Like, what of your mother is? in you yes oh man how much time we got no kidding i think the main thing that my mom has that i know is in me is just love of life and i mean it and it just sprinkles into different areas of my life so it's like love of life which makes faith and it creates hope and it's just you know love of people seeing people win seeing myself win just letting the cards fall where they may that's what i got from my mom just a lover of good things like because it's gonna work out for me I don't know where it is. Uh, I've been to a lot of funerals. Yeah. Lately. Yeah. And I was uh, down. I'm sorry, but yeah, I was down story. this morning. And yeah. I, I needed to hear you. We're family. But I, I mean, I'm sorry. No, but, please, don't be. But I mean, I'm just, it just seems like with uh, my age yeah. and uh, I don't know. Yeah. Usually I keep it together. I'm yeah. sorry. No, please. But, don't be sorry. Uh, you know, all this talk about love and life. Yeah. I just, I mean, I had a high school classmate who died on a ventilator and had her yeah. funeral yesterday. Wow. And 
I got a memorial service next month. And, yeah. You know, I just keep hearing it's it's my age. Yeah. You know, yeah. Plus the times we live in. I'm telling you. Yeah. And uh, and it's just really amazing yeah. to meet somebody because we get in these kind of rote, you know. Yeah. You know, just trudge the same thing every day, it's punching true. a clock, and uh, we don't realize this is super precious. Yes, it is. It is. And I'm going to tell you a secret, my family. Like, so August was the hardest month. Um, I told you I got a lot of qualities from my mom, but we had a cancer scare with my mom last month. And I remember thinking, like, this woman means everything to me. Like, if something happens to her, what? You know? No. Now I'm getting emotional. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, but... I remember thinking like, man, this is the only parent because I grew up single parent household, Stuart. You know, I and that woman did everything and like it was all five of us and they found a spot on her spine and they were like, Ohavia, we don't know what this is. And when I tell you literally, Stuart, it was like we were in for tests every day and it was just weighing down on my spirit. And I was like, but like I have to just remember like even though it's so tough and I don't know what the future holds for my mama, I know that there's one thing. I'm still here. So all I could do is just practice that love and that faith and wherever it's going to fall, you know, I, I can't control that, but I will never want to be the reason for someone else's bad day. That's why I like hug people and I dap them up. And, you know, I'm, I'm happy to say my mom is in a much better space. She has one more big test um, this week. Like they're just testing things on her at this point. And like, we're just, just holding on to the faith, Stuart. So I get it. It is. It's, it's tough. How is she? How is yeah. her spirit now? You know, I'm not going to lie, it goes up and down. So some days are better than others. Like some days, like we'll do brunch or something or we'll laugh or we, we grab coffee and, you know, she's happy and she's like, you know, you, you guys keep me excited and keep me happy. And there's some days we're scared as hell. To be honest, it's like we still don't, we're waiting for tests to come back. Um, what has been a blessing is many of the tests she took are coming back negative. So they're, they're not finding anything. But there's this last big test that we're worried about. And we're like, it is what it's going to be. So... Um, she's up and down with it, but she always tells me, Ohavia, don't let this ruin the light. Like, don't let this ruin your love of life. Like, everything happens for a reason. And the, the biggest thing that you could do to make me proud is just to live and live full. And so that's why I hug people and I love people. And I'm not going to be the reason people have a bad day. You know, <laughs> not me. You know, also, when you, make, when you give people a bad day, you turn out ugly. I don't want to be ugly, Stuart. I don't want to be ugly. Right. I want to stay beautiful. Yeah. So I got to be. Nice whether you want to call it karma or whether you want to call it energy yes. or whatever. Yes, friend. You know, or just sharing grace. Yeah. You know. I, I almost, I almost threw my phone, but I don't have insurance on my phone. <laughs> Stuart, sharing grace. We are cousins. I knew it was something about you. No, but seriously, no, it is sharing grace because you don't know what people are going through. And look how, you know, we're both, we both created that space of grace to share what we're going through with my mama and then with you. So we're family, and that's what we're supposed to do with people. You know, not assume that um, people are having certain days and not assuming that you're the reason that people are having certain days. Sometimes people are not even thinking about you. They're just going through, you know. When you were a little girl, did you have this much energy? Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I used to uh, get in trouble in school a lot. <laughs> so, like, my favorite story to tell is one time the teacher called herself punishing me. She was like, okay, you know what, Ohavia? I'm going to put you in the front of the class away from all your friends. And so, Stuart, she moves me to the front of the class. And you know what happened? All my homies moved to the front of the class with me. <laughs> you <laughs> attracted like, them. Right. They were like, we're going to sit with Ohavia. And like, teachers would go, I know y'all did not just move up with this girl. So, like, always had energy. I was the one at the family functions, like, dancing. I used to roll up paper and interview people. I used to hug people I didn't know. And I remember, like, 
my dad, I told you, he um he wasn't in my life, but still love my father regardless. And I remember he him telling me, he's like, oh, Havia, you know, you can't be such a lover and a hugger. People take advantage of that. And growing up, I thought that that would happen. Like people would take advantage of my love and kindness. And even though it has happened, I feel like it's my greatest superpower because I held on to it. So yeah. he was wrong about something. <laughs> you know? yeah. Are you still in touch with him? Ugh, no, not really. I mean, here and there he'll email me. Here and there we'll speak, but... No, yeah. not really. Yeah. Yeah, not really. And I love them. It's just for my life, Stuart. I had to learn like some people, even if it's friends and family, they can't. They can't be in your life because they don't know how to love you properly. To protect our own ourselves. You know, so true. To establish what they call boundaries. So true. Because I have to. Because all this energy and joy that I carry, I can't constantly put it on the chopping block with someone that I know can't handle or manage this love and energy so it's like just believe what they've been showing still show love but i re i release you to love and light but like i gotta protect mine too so right what prompted the the move to uh north carolina yeah so my mom being a loyal registered nurse and also new york was getting expensive remember it's five of us so it was getting really expensive she was doing her best but like i mean it still was well, Very Brooklyn good. got kind of gentrified at a certain Kind of? <laughs> <laughs> kind you can, of? You can go to Queens, you can go to the Bronx, you can Stewart. move out, or you can Literally. Move, yeah. Listen, I, you know, and I'm so glad you said something, because when I tell you, I grew up in neighborhoods where they used to, like, bury bodies, and now, you know, there's bodies doing yoga. And now I'm it's just expensive like, <laughs> to bury bodies. They, <laughs> they go, you can do it, but they go charge When you. I tell you, Stuart, I'm literally like... And like I walked the block, like I was just in New York, I want to say last week, and I walked the block and I was like, whose Brooklyn is this? Right. You know, but it's beautiful because now I feel like, you know, different, diverse perspectives pull out the best of a place regardless, right? So we call it gentrification, but the root of it is uh, showing a different environment, showing a different people a different experience. And so whether that takes putting people in there or it takes people leaving their hoods and going other places, I feel like it always works for our good. But again, it goes back to leaving that grace. You know, like, don't come in saying, like, this is, you know, your Brooklyn or your experience. Understand there's a historical context with Brooklyn or any place for that matter. And what was the neighborhood in Brooklyn? Yes, yeah, so I grew up in a, in a few neighborhoods. Okay. <laughs> I grew up in Crown Heights. Uh -huh. I grew up in Canarsie. And I grew up in East New York. So I'm a Brooklyn girl through and through. All I know is Brooklyn. And what was it like? What are your memories when yeah. you moved south? That, that had to be, it, it takes a little, it's like. <gasps> it was. Oh, it was a culture shock. I'll never forget. We moved here. We took a trip to Walmart. A woman comes outside and she goes, hey, darling. And I, and I looked around, Stuart, because I was like, who is she talking to? So I'm like looking around and I'm like, and my mom goes, she talking to you or she talking to me? So Stuart, I'm looking, I'm like, mom, I think she's talking to me. So then she points and she said, I'm talking to you. Hey, darling. I said, oh, hello. And I couldn't believe it. I love the South. I feel like my personality, even though I grew up in Brooklyn, what's funny is, is even in Brooklyn, people used to, they, they never believed me that I was from Brooklyn because I was always this person. Then when I moved to Charlotte, I feel like I finally made sense. So at age 18, mm -hmm. you went where? Age 18, I went to Central Piedmont Community College because, Stuart, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I mean, you know, people were telling me all the things I was good at, but I didn't know what I was good at. Like, I knew I loved people, but I was like, can you get paid for loving people? What's that? <laughs> Actually, you probably can. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you need to love people no matter what you do. So true. I mean, what, if anything, lit you up? 
So it was at Central Piedmont Community College. I had a professor, his name was Mr. Flowers, in creative writing. And we were doing this paper and we had to uh, get up and read out loud and Mr. Flowers goes, stop. And he says, oh, hey, you read your paper again. And the whole class wanted me to read it again, Stuart. And I was like, you guys like my voice? I didn't, again, because I didn't, I didn't know. And I was like, I could read it again. So then I lift my paper and I was like, hello. And then like, I do different accents and like different cadence and inflections and things. And they just loved it. And Mr. Flowers was like, you need to be doing this. I said, I don't even know what this is called. Right. And then, so then transfer to UNC Charlotte, where I found out was called journalism. And then the rest was just, oh, I knew. I said, I want to be a journalist. I want to work in TV. I don't know how I'm going to do it. I've never seen a woman that looks like me doing it, but I'm going to shoot my shot. And that was it. The rest was history. That's awesome. Yeah. So did you graduate with a degree in journalism? I did from UNC Charlotte. Well, congratulations. Yes. <laughs> Graduated awesome. 2015 uh, with a bachelor's in journalism, mass media. Yep. That's wonderful. Loved it. And then what happened? Then I, uh, you know, Stuart, I, I don't regret it, but then I had the nerve to go to grad school. And, you know, hindsight is definitely 2020. Because looking back, I'm like, girl, you ain't have nobody's money. And I went right back for grad school. And I was like, I mean, debt is debt is debt. Yeah. Well, how did you afford this grad school then? <sighs> Honestly, a lot of grants and a whole lot of loans. And, and where did you go to grad school? Yes, I went to Walden University. So they have a university in Minnesota, but... I was in Brooklyn at the time, just hustling, so I couldn't move again. Yeah. So I decided to stay and just do their grad online. Well, they're cheaper places to live. Why Why did you want to live in Brooklyn? So at, that, at this point in my life, I had graduated from Charlotte, and I had a job interview with New York One News um, and no experience. So they were like, hey, you know, would you like to do some freelancing things? And I was like, yeah, so you guys let me know. So I literally graduated, took a one-way $50 bus, to Brooklyn, back home to Brooklyn. I was living with aunts and grandmas and hustling. Well, that's great. <sighs> ish, great ish, because then, you know, New York is expensive. And like my family was like, okay, so what are you doing with your life? And I was like, I'm waiting on New York One. The good news is uh, I did not get hired at New York One. And I'm gonna tell you why that's the good news because I got hired at Spectrum News. So I ended up moving back to Charlotte and was still able to go to grad school. So it worked out. Congratulations, worked out. that's mm -hmm. awesome. Yeah. You get experience. That's the yes. thing of greatest value is yes. experience. It's true, Stuart. I love that. It really is the greatest value. Like I look back and there's so much I did for free, but it was worth it because experience, you can't put a can't put a put a dollar amount on that. So have you gotten to where whether the red light's on or it's not on? Yeah. You're basically the same person. Yes, and I'm so happy to say, Stuart, I am literally the same person online and offline. And I think that's honestly my cheat code. Like people always ask me, like, how are you able to freestyle? Think off top of the dome. How are you able to? And I'm like, well, it's really my personality. I love talking to people and I love genuine conversation. Nothing I say is ever made up or rehearsed. Um, and I remember being young in the game. They told me that that would be something that you know, I would have to watch out for because unfortunately you can't be like that in news. Well, yes, but no. And I'm just glad it worked out for me. Like I could come up with things and just talk to people. What do you love about video journalism? Yeah. What do you, what speaks to you about that? People can see your facial expressions and I'm very like expressive. I am severely expressive. I am telenovela. I'm giving you my best eyebrows, my best, like I am expressive. And what I love about Video journalism is people can feel the words that you're speaking. So whether it's an uplifting story, a sad story, like I just feel like it, it creates a different level of connection because it's like, oh wow, this girl is really into it. Like 
I can tell she's enjoying it. And that also helps to uh, share the story because now whatever you're giving to it, people can feel. So video is my favorite. I don't mind print. When you get on that keyboard, we lose all your inflection. Right? We lose the way you genuinely spoke. And um, to me, that's the thing, especially about live television. Yeah, I agree. It's I agree. Great. Yeah, that's and you great. said one of my favorite words is like cadence and inflection. That's that's my jam because literally you can say the same thing different ways, multiple ways. Hello, how are you? Yeah. Hello, how are you? Hello, yeah. how are you? Well, what are you feeling now? Like where mm -hmm. where do you think where do you feel led? Yeah, I feel led to all things media. You know, I'm gonna be honest with you, Stuart. I. When I first came into news, I thought that that was the only way that you can be in this business. I thought that was the only way people can see and feel your personality. I was wrong. You know, news is a beautiful blessing. Like, I'm so grateful. It gave me a solid foundation, like learning AP style writing, learning how to speak to people, learning how to be um, an impeccable interviewer. So I'm grateful for my footing in news. But like media is so broad and beautiful. I mean, now somebody can go viral and their whole life can change. Somebody can start a trend on social media and their whole life can change. Somebody can share a story on YouTube, 30 seconds, and I mean, their whole life can change. So I'm very grateful that media ha is, first of all, continues to become broad and opens up different avenues where people can just show their personality. So that's where I am now is doing all things media. What, what are people missing? Mm -hmm. What are we not getting yeah. now? What are people crying out to hear? Yeah, for sure, friend. I think as a, as a black woman, as an Afro-Latin woman, I feel like people want to hear more, more stories, more diverse stories, especially about people's experiences, right? So, you know, for so long, news and media, um, it, it's, been very, it's been very safe. It's been very matter of fact. It's been in a box. And I'm very grateful to say that media now is opening doors where we can get people of all shades and shapes on red carpets, um, at important events, at very notable events. And I think that we need to continue working at that. Like, let's get, let's amplify black and brown stories. Let's amplify um, even diverse perspectives. Like, this is making me so happy sitting with you. Like, this is literally making my day. Because it's like two people two completely different experiences, but we are friends. Like in my head, we are friends, we are family, and we are breaking bread, we're talking, you're asking and I'm answering and I'm, I'm indulging in a lot of your experiences. And that's what media should be. It should be a world full of people from different experiences sitting together over coffee and just sharing stories. And media, let's continue to do that. Those who work in media, media stakeholders, like put people together who you normally wouldn't and watch the beauty that comes from that product. I think one thing we're missing uh, in the food fight and the shout fest yeah. that is that is our culture right now yeah. is just the willingness to be wrong without being canceled. Right. You know, you're going to have to go out and make mistakes yeah. in order to do to. that. You, you have know? to. What do you think about that? No, I literally was, no, <laughs> seriously. Sign up for no, that this no, no, no. When I tell you, Stuart, like, I'm, I'm so grateful you segue there because, like, it, listen, I'm trying so hard not to throw my phone. I told you I don't got insurance on my phone because this <laughs> you is better what, put it away. Right? this is literally what I speak to everybody about. So I've been blessed to have a campaign here in the city, Lead with Love. Okay. And um, I've had a billboard, I've had uh, clean graffiti art and literally stickers. Like, this campaign has grown and I'm so blessed, but it's, it's not about me, it's about the message. And where Leave With Love was birthed was, I was saying, y'all, we're so quick to cancel white people. 
You know, we're so quick to get upset with them. We're so quick to say, you know, do your due diligence. And listen, here's the thing. Absolutely, Google is free. You know what I'm saying? Google is free and come to me after. But we have to create spaces for people who don't look like us to learn, but especially, Stuart, unlearn. I can't get mad at you for asking me something, especially if it's respectful. You know what I'm saying? Now, there's levels to that, too. Like, don't come up to me asking me nothing crazy because I'm going to give you something crazy. You know what I'm right. saying? But what's so important is that we lead with love. What I mean by that is, one, we got to lead. So we got to understand and accept that there's people who don't know an Afro-Latin, a, a black, nonetheless Afro-Latin woman's experience, especially if this person is white, come from a two-parent household. I told you I come from a single-parent household. That's two completely separate experiences, right? Then we got the width. We got to do this together, Stuart. I can't say, I can't wag my finger at you and say, well, you should have done better. Well, how? 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 How he does better is by asking. How they do better is by asking. We do this better together. That's the with. And then the love is very simple. I feel like it's self-explanatory. It's don't give anybody the energy that you wouldn't want if you didn't know anything and you had to ask them. Like, don't put somebody on blast. Say you didn't know something and they put you on blast. How would you feel? Right? And a lot of times I just wish people understood there are lives, there are bodies, there are feelings on the end of us canceling people and getting mad at them. You know, at first, leave the door open to have the tough conversation. Leave the door open, but make it private. Don't expose people. Because you know what? I'm not going to lie, Stuart. There's been so many awesome, impactful conversations that I could not put a camera on with people in very high places from government, you know, politics and all the things. And we could keep going, but like out of respect for them, I would never mention those conversations, but I've had amazing conversations around Black Lives Matter, why it's important and why we shouldn't judge people. And there was no camera around, right? And why did I do that? Because I wanted people to feel safe and loved. And if I call you friend and family, just like how friends and family argue and we have different perspectives, it goes the same for race. You know, I just always tell people, please be respectful. Like, there's a gauge where you know, like, I probably shouldn't ask that. You know what I'm saying? Like, give it 24 hours before you come with a crazy question in it. You know, so I don't know. I feel like we all have that inner gauge. Just follow that. Be respectful. But, man, we can't, we can't be so quick to throw them overboard. We can't, you know? Yeah. We got to give space to people. Is that fair? Would you think that's fair? Like, I just... Absolutely. I just... But tell me more about Lead With Love. Yeah. What is it? What does it do? Yeah, so Leave With Love is honestly just one of the messages that, um, so Tori, Tori and Paula from The Savage Way, they're the ones that have, first of all, they're amazing sisters of mine, and they are known for their clean graffiti business. One day, I went on Instagram Live, and I was telling people, actually, this very conversation, I went live about it, and it went viral, and that was not my intent at all, Stuart. Like, I literally was just speaking from the heart, and people were sharing it, and celebrities were sharing it, and I was like... Oh my gosh, this is getting out of hand. Like, I'm not going to lie, Stuart. I got overwhelmed. I was like, I ain't trying to be famous. I'm just trying to show the world, like, we need to be light and salt of the earth here. You know, be less crappy to each other. Goes viral. Tori and Paula said, Ohavia, this is a message our city needs. And it, it blew up and it just started going all kinds of places. And sometimes I see it in commercials still. There's people who use it and they'll tag me still. So it's really just a message of love that kind of turned into its own thing. It's hard to explain because like, I, I didn't want to be the face of it because, again, it's a message we all need to adhere to. But it just became a thing on its own. It grew legs and started, you know, Harlem shaking. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think that's the way the things that are organic yeah. and naturally occurring. Yeah. That's the way change happens. So true. Is through these kind of happy accidents. You know, I love where, that story. Yeah. Happy accidents. If I steal that, I mean, if I borrow oh, that. I don't think I made it up. <laughs> if you hear it somewhere else. Original. Oh, okay. Well, if you yeah, hear it somewhere else, just say, wait a minute. Uh, and so what I say to people is, 
In South Africa, they had truth and reconciliation, and there was no reconciliation until first there was truth. Ooh. And I said, America don't even have truth. Yeah. How can you have reconciliation? Correct. So everybody wants to talk reparations yeah. and you know making amends. Yeah. We haven't even settled on what the harm was. So true. And we, facts. We need to unwind. We need to go way back. Way, way back, like 500 plus years back, right? Oh, yeah. And I think another thing too, Stuart, I'm just loving this conversation so much because it's like, but another thing too is like, don't hide the truth, right? So I find what's what's interesting, and this is honestly, for, for lack of a better phrase, and trying to be respectable about it, but what's interesting to me is how the length that the higher-ups will go to hide the truth. So out of our kids' textbooks, or don't teach it, or don't talk about it, you know, because there's repercussions for talking about it. And it's like, but wait, though, if it isn't the truth, why are you all going so hard to hide it? And so I feel like I love the word that you use. It's really an unwinding. And listen, it's going to hurt, and it's going to suck, and we're going to see a lot, but that's really how we face the truth of our country. That's how we face the truth of a lot. Like Before we get to the reparations part, let's talk about why we're even owed that, right? And it'll take a lot of people, generations worth of people saying, you know what? My family was actually a part of that. My family was on this end of it. Shoot, my family was on that end of it. But who? It'll take a very brave person to do it. I'm not saying that it's, it's not realistic. I'm just saying like... It'll be a whole lot of not even apologizing, but accepting like, man, that's actually a part of my family's lineage. They did that. You know, and I think the beginning comes in sort of unwinding and acknowledging uh, how this perpetuates itself. True. So true. And, And you bring up a good thing again, Stuart. It's we can't make we can't make white people again. And this goes back to those who don't know. Right. So say they don't know. They're completely oblivious, but they're doing the work to know for themselves. Why are we being mean to those people who are trying to unlearn? It goes back to that leading with love is they're unwinding and unlearning. Give them the space to do that. Yes, school is a thing. And we could tell, you know, we could tell you that, you know, but we don't have to be disrespectful about it. We don't have to drag. Uh, uh, people for it. It's just creating that space to say, listen, you can ask me, always come respectful, but before you do, you know, there's resources out there. I just feel like we just got to be fair. You know, we just got to be fair. And what one thing that I would um, encourage as part of this truth yeah. is that, okay, the founder of Georgia was a man named James Oglethorpe. Mm-hmm. And James Oglethorpe was profoundly anti-slavery. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was present at the inception. He went back to England mm-hmm. and Georgia turned like that. Sheesh. And uh, in his absence, yeah. it, beha- it became a slaveholding colony. Yeah. I think we need to, the more we can have a conversation about... Yep. Slavery that is decoupled from race and race that is decoupled from slavery. The more I think we can get at, yeah, yeah, like what actually went on. Right, 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 right. And you know, you inspired a thought too, Stuart. Is because I, I, I've done a lot of protests here in the city, and the the aspect I will say this better. No, the perspective of the protest that sometimes I feel like is overlooked is the fact that there were white people out there marching with us. There were white officers marching with us. There were people from the LGBTQIA community, right? There were people from church. There were there was 
a diverse group of people that were out there and everybody did their part. People came with their 100, their 60, their 30, if you like biblical terms, some came with their 30, 60 and their 100 fold, but everybody was out there and they offered something. So I love how you put it. It's let us also highlight the fact that there were a, a few people who was who was riding. They was with it. They wanted everybody to be free. They wanted everybody to have justice. They wanted equity for all people. And I feel like oftentimes we just focus on who can we make the villain? Okay, let me see. The white guy. <laughs> or who can we make the villain? Okay, the white person. Well, listen, let's also highlight that there were white people in many of these movements that helped but they didn't want to be named out of respect and honor for the movement. It's like, no, we just want to back you. We want to help you. And even now in 2021, Stuart, when I was out there protesting, let me tell you, there was a CMPD officer who was side by side with me. We were having the best conversation, but that doesn't make news, right? That doesn't make whatever. It's just. Well, Schwerner Goodman and Cheney mm -hmm. killed in Philadelphia, Mississippi by police. Yeah. Um, Two of the three were white, and one of them was a Jewish man from up north. And yeah. so one guy was black and from Mississippi. And, yeah. and the issue, dare I say it, was voter registration. Yeah. Was, they, they dared to register black people to vote See, in yeah. Mississippi. And so what I'm saying is, but by the same token, you know, with I don't know if you've followed what's gone on at uh, Chapel Hill with the journalism professor and the IW Wells Sutton, et cetera, yeah. um, is that there are, in this kind of white fragility, there are white men of a certain generation who cannot have a black woman get tenure without feeling compelled yeah. to use their money to say, but white people have been there a long time. Right. It's like, so what? So what? So what? Yeah. Yeah. So what are we talking about? Sure, yes, absolutely all the things, but I guarantee her experience was much different and it meant her life. A few times, she lost real estate. A few times, they said, if you put this out about these lynchings, if you put these out, we got to understand, Ida B. Wells was a revolutionary in that she broke a lot of the lynchings and all the things that were happening in many of these states. She broke it mainstream. You know, uh, that came with a cost. <laughs> it did. Well, you mentioned something I've talked to a, a white brother about this. Yeah. He said, I don't understand. Explain to me yeah. why it's such a big deal to have to produce a driver's license in order to vote. And I said, mm. have you ever heard the question, how many bubbles are in a bar of soap? Right. And he said, no. I said, have you ever heard of the poll tax? And he said, no. I said, well, if you understand the poll tax, right and the impossible question of how many bubbles are in a bar of soap in order to be able to vote, right. then you would understand why there's an objection right. to producing a driver's license. Correct. Because it's just another excuse mm. to exclude back black people from voting it's to true. make their votes not count. It's true. I, I agree. I agree 100%, Stuart. And, you know, you actually bring up a really good group that sometimes, again, is often overlooked is the strength of the black church and how they play in so many uh, historical contexts, because it's true. You know, it's like, pray about it. There's, there's so many lessons. I mean, and, and again, I grew up in that environment and literally I can see at 28 now how many of those things that we were taught pretty much exercises itself in different situations, whether I was protesting, whether I was having uncomfortable conversations, even how it's so natural for uh, black people to be like, you know what, let me just, let me give them grace. 
<laughs> like, and it's a joke in our community, but it really is like, you know what, let me just, because that's actually one of the pillars I feel the black church has a lot to do with our response or lack thereof to many of the things that happen in our world and giving grace to everybody. It's just now we're in a season and I don't even know what's, whether it's a season or a time, I'm not sure the proper word, but I feel like we're in this moment where we're just tired. You know, it's like, how long do we extend grace? How often do I say, oh, they didn't mean it that way? Because uh, I tell you what, when I come into work, I got to be careful about what I say because my repercussions and yours are two different repercussions. And this is real life for us, Stuart. Like, even for me, driving, huge deal for me. I'm scared to drive. You know, I'm scared. I'm like, because anything, I don't want to trigger anybody. The other day, I dropped my brother off to play basketball, and it was at a church. And I was just so scared for him. He was like, you can leave me. And I was like, can I leave you here? I don't, you know, I don't know. And so I think that is so important to honor the role of the black church and many of what our world has faced, whether it was injustice, racial discrimination, all the things, because it really did teach us, you know, faith in all the things, but we, we were just tired. There's all this conversation around, um, like, take violence and murder, you yeah. know, like murder rates, yeah. et cetera. Yeah. And I explained to somebody once, I said, a murder is an assault in which someone dies. Mm -hmm. So most murders are not Charles Manson. It's not Jack the Ripper. Most murders are someone gets mad at someone else yeah. and assaults them. And so to understand the murder rate, you have to unwind yeah and you have to back up from murder to assault yeah and from assault you have to back up to anger yeah and the ang and the harsh words yes and so if you want to deal with murder back up and talk about rage yeah and and then you have to talk about where rage comes from correct which is fear and the way to do that is a this is about despair, yes. you know, and huge frustration and yeah. rage, which spills out into broken windows. Yes. Um, but before we got to those broken windows, we have to talk about other things that were broken. And I love how you said unwind. And let's start with rage and fear. It's constantly being put in a position to need a system that isn't reliable, right? So I'm, I think of affordable housing, the affordable housing crisis. I think of the homeless. I think of the household I came from, single parent household. Obviously, this, this is a mother who's doing everything she can. She's working all kinds of hours, never home with her kids. And y'all won't get, like, and whoever the y'all is, we never know who the they and the y'all is. We just call it the system. And that's always, that always got me because it's like, I look at my mom and this is not somebody who's, who's lazy. This isn't somebody who isn't trying. She's hard. She needs help. And you would deny her whatever she needs. I think about the college student, the first gen, the immigrant. I think a lot about these people because in some way I am connected to many of those people. And with my experience, I have seen it. And what do you do for the person who's the first in their family to go to college? You know, and so that's where we got to back up. Yes, now everybody's seeing broken windows and now people are seeing the uproar and the fires, but we've been trying to talk. We've been trying to say, and you know, it's, it's the constant, oh, well, do better. Tie yourself up by your bootstraps. Well, I don't even own boots, you know, and I'm being facetious by saying like, how dare you tell us tie ourselves up by our bootstraps? How dare you say get after it like everybody else when we already know the game is rigged? Right? We already know what this is. So what's the honest conversation here? It's less about the fact that we went way up and tore our own cities up. And I think it's more about the fact that, wait a minute, before we got here, city and county officials, what have you done for the disenfranchised? What have you done for those who always showed up to council meetings and kept 
telling you the same thing. You would roll your eyes. You knew them by name, though. What did you do for those people? And so now you're getting broken windows and it's like, don't do that. But when I was meeting you at council meetings, you know, so I think about those people often that don't get the camera put on them. They do this work on and off season. Stuart, there's, you know, somebody has to do the listening. Less talking and more listening, you know, and, and none of that pseudo leadership. No, like real leadership is listening. What we're doing, I'm listening to you and I'm just so appreciative of this time. We got to do better about listening. Too many people talk, people talk too much. A little bit. <laughs> Not much, okay. just a little bit, you know, so. I'm going to tell you something that is going to blow your mind. Yeah. There is a parallel despair which is going on among white men. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm just going to give you a number. Okay. And then... I'm going to see what you think about this number. Okay. And you can check this number out. Okay. Three out of every 10 citizens of the United States of America are white males. 30%. Three hmm. out of every 10. Okay. Of the suicides, not the attempts, but successful suicides, yeah. seven in 10 are white men. Oh, wow. Oh, white wow. men, and we're talking tens of thousands every year. Yeah. And so the aggregate numbers are approaching those who died in the AIDS crisis. Mm. And the overall suicide rate has more or less risen since World War II. Inasmuch as there is a despair among yeah. young black men, yeah. which ref is reflected in murder rates, right. there is a despair among white men, yeah, which is largely masked by a lot of other things. Yeah, we call it opioid epidemics yep. or whatever. Yeah, but the underlying despair—despair despair is despair. So true. Yes. The historic influences are different, but despair is despair. Yeah, and. If we speak of our despair, we speak a common language. Yes. If we can strip away the frustration, yeah. etc. I'm just funny. asking for grace, yeah. I guess. Yes. And I'll um, tell you what, friend. You'll always get it from me. Seriously. You'll always get it from me. And for all those that are listening, you'll always get it from me. And... At the end of the day, that is true love and understanding is you have every right to unlearn. You have every right. And who am I to cut you off from that? You know, who am I to uh, come down on you for that, drag you for that? That's not fair. And so from Ohavia Phillips to the world, I will always be that person that shows love. And it's so crazy because it ties back to early what I told you. I remember my dad saying people will take advantage of that. And now at 28, I can, I can now rebut my dad and say the wrong people take advantage of that, you know, so. But what I'm trying to say to people is yeah. love is not a zero-sum game. Right, right. So if I, and yet I, I feel like people are like, they have this sort of compassion fatigue, so they have to allocate yeah. their compassion. So the feeling is... We can't say black lives matter unless we say all lives matter yes. because you're somehow taking my finite amount of love yeah. and asking me to direct it to these people. Yeah. Yeah. You know, as a subset. Yeah. And I'm like, there's plenty to go around. 
and they are not mutually exclusive. Right. You know, at the end of the day, I have to pray to take care of just me. Yes. Yeah. You know, I just, I just got to be, just do what I can do. I agree. On my plate. Do your part. Right. And then don't ruin nobody else's day. Right. <laughs> There's mm -hmm. an influencer, her name is Tabitha Brown. She said, now go have a good day. And even if you're not having a good day, don't make nobody have no bad day. <laughs> and I love that because it's like, it's true. Like, who am I? You know what I'm saying? I'm so grateful. Like, you know, uh, mom is doing good and in good health. And, you know, she's getting stronger. And it inspires me. But when she was going through in August, who was I to make somebody have a bad day because of what my mom was going through? You know what I'm saying? So we just got to think about that. Don't, yeah. don't, don't give nobody no bad day. You know, I know what you're carrying is heavy. I know the load can feel heavy, but lighten somebody else's because they didn't do it to your mama or whoever. But by the same token, I feel like, just speaking for me, yeah. when I see what happened, you know, in Charlottesville, Virginia, and oh. what's happened in Black Lives Matter all yeah. the time, what's happened in Minnesota, I feel at a loss. Yep. I feel okay. like, what can I do? And, and I get that, but you know, honestly, you shouldn't, and I'm gonna tell you why, because you listen. And it's so funny because that's what people, that's what they forget is a, is a major part about this change is we actually need less people on a microphone and more people listening. So Stuart, you're doing it. It's listening, it's, in, it's making space, it's creating space for people who don't look like you. Let's just talk. And it's so small that people oversight, like it's an oversight, well, you, if people want to know what they can do in this time, whether it's Black Lives Matter, whether it's the hurricanes, whether it's whatever, listen, people will tell you what they need. Don't assume. The worst thing that you could do is, I'm going to jump to action. Well, where are you jumping to, Tom Cruise? Where are you going? <laughs> Mission Impossible, four, five, six, seven, where are you going? And it's so important for everybody to understand, like, hey, listening is the best part of this process. Me listen to you, too. Right? That's the thing. I can't just say like, oh, let me give you all the answers. It don't work like that. I listen, you listen. Iron sharpens iron. How? We got to listen. And you're doing it, friend. I've had a lot of people say, just pray, you know, and it just doesn't feel like enough. I, I am a believer, but even the Bible speaks to that, Stuart. Even the Bible says faith without works. And there's a reason why it says what it says in the order it says it. Faith without works, what, right. So yeah, no, absolutely, pray all day. But then what is the process after prayer, right? All day, no, 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 absolutely, hold on to all the things. But then what's the strategy afterward? And that's the part that I feel like, let, let's not make faith passive because it's actually a real muscle. It's important to everything. And it's something we always have to exercise, but absolutely pray. But then afterwards, okay, Lord, now after we talked, what can I do today to be a better human? How can I show up for people around me today? What does that look like? It's the simple things, holding the door open, not being a meanie, you know? So prayer is important, but adding the process to faith without works. For me, you know, because it's saying people in the street can be as crazy as they want to be. Let's just, you and I just exchange basic human courtesies, courtesies. you know? Agreed. Agreed. And you know, that's the thing, Stuart, you were kind. I tell people kindness and listening go a very long way. And there's a reason why they taught us in kindergarten, treat others how you would want to be treated. But the older we got is the more the message become, became diluted and a little bit disrespected. It's like, no, because what happened is all these other things got in the way of treating people kind. It's the degrees people have, it's the tables they sit at. And we forgot that basic human essential thing is being kind. 
treating people how you would want. I don't care what degree you have. I don't care what your parents do for a living. I don't, I don't care. I don't care about none of that. Were you kind? The way you speak to the CEO is the way that you treat the janitor. And the way that you shake hands with the janitor is the way you shake hands with the CEO. That's what my mother always taught me. And that's why whether I was at Red Lobster or Spectrum News, that's one thing people always loved is like, she, she talks to everybody because everybody is somebody. And we just got to be kind. You inspired that. You pulled that out of me. So thanks. <laughs> you pulled that out of me. <laughs> well, no, I think it's there. Yeah. I think it's there. Got to be kind. There's a word, microaggression. You've mm -hmm. heard this word. Mm -hmm. And what you're describing, I aspire to whatever the opposite of microaggression is. Yes. These small moments of just decency. Yes. Just human kindness. Yes. I uh, was riding my bike mm -hmm. to work, uh, which was 13 miles oh. in the year 2000. Mm -hmm. I dropped the tire into a rail bed. And I went down and fractured my shoulder Oof. and drove my glasses into my eyebrow. And so I'm bleeding and I hit my head so hard I like felt like vomiting, you know. Oh, wow. And uh, I was worried I was going to get run over by a truck yeah. on North Graham Street. And I, I just dragged my bike out of the road oh. and I'm sitting there, you know, with the cell phone calling my wife. Yeah to have to drag me off someplace to get stitches put in my eyebrow. And a man, I couldn't even see him. He stops and he, he comes over and he has uh, like a little hand towel oh. from the bathroom. Oh, wow. And it smelled like the little soaps in the dish. Yeah. You know, like the little hand towel. And he gives me the towel and I said, man, I'm going to bleed all over your towel. Yeah. And he said, that's okay, just keep it. Yeah. And um, wow. all I could tell was that it was a black man. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. I'm sorry for crying. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. But, yeah. I um, That man didn't know me. Yeah. He didn't know me anything. Yeah. You know, Stuart, I just, I love this city so much. I really do, Stuart. And I love people so much. And I just really want us to get this. I really, really want us to get this. I want us to be like that man who handed you his towel, not looking for anything in return. It's like, keep it. My kindness, keep it. My love, keep it. Even if, you know, we were passing and we shared a conversation, keep it because we really do better together. And I don't know who started this war on, you know, I, I don't know who's, the thing is, it, it's so deep, Stuart, it's hard to even say who started what, right? But Let's undo that. Let's cancel that. Let's give more space to people to love people, to help people, and let's give them things and say, keep it, you know? Let's do that. Because I think about all the people in my life, Stuart, and I think about a lot of the professors I had, and a lot of those people were white, Stuart. Let's be honest. Like, even my first boss at Spectrum News, uh, I think about all of the professors that was like, oh, hey, you got this and you could do this. Like... Listen, there were amazing people in my life, even still now, white, and I call them family, I call them sister, I call them brother, and they believe in me. They do. And so I would never sit up here and say, oh, you know, forget F them, forget them, no, 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 because listen, in my life, what I've seen is people who show extreme kindness, and I, what would I, who would I be to not show that, you know? So 
I'm sorry for crying, but it really is just one of those things where, guys, we got to be better to each other. We got to treat each other much better. And I want that for our city, you know. So, yeah. If we get struck by lightning today, <laughs> the only thing that survives is this little piece of audio. What is your legacy? My legacy is my love, Stuart. That's my legacy. If I, if I die today, God forbid, people are going to say, that girl was always so sweet. And, you know, I remember growing up and I was like, well, listen, what? that ain't really important. It is. And, you know, I can honestly say I'm very proud. I'm very proud. And I love you, Stuart. <laughs> You're awfully kind. You're awfully sweet. We're friends. <laughs> well, I acknowledge everything you've done. I thank hope you. we get to work together and do some things in the future. Let's do it. But thank you. Thank you. Thank you for making time. Thank you. No, thank you for this time. <laughs> You're good. I'm going to lose a lash. <laughs> but since we're family, I guess you can see me without my lashes, huh? Yeah, you're good. Okay. <laughs> I don't know what will have become public by the time this comes out, but Ohavia has some super uh, opportunities that are right there on the horizon, like multiple ones. She's just going to take off like a rocket. You can just feel that when you when you meet her. Mahavia, thank you so much for calling me friend. That is just so meaningful. I appreciate your time. Man Listening is a production of Unmediated LLC in cooperation with the Queen City Podcast Network and Balto Creative Media. Allison Andrews at Andrews Creative and Rachel Clapp Miller are developmental producers. Sally Higgins at Higgins and Owens tries to keep us legal. Our music is A Day at the Park by the group Pictures of the Floating World. Your announcer is Catherine Smith. That's me. Please go to our Patreon page. You'll find us at patreon.com. Look for Man Listening, one word, no spaces. We hope you'll join us by becoming a member. A small investment can raise up the conversation. If you want exclusive member merch, like a t-shirt, we can arrange that too. A huge shout out and thank you to everyone who supports Man Listening in whatever way you do. Thanks so much. Don't forget to support us at Patreon. We believe one voice can change the conversation. Click the subscribe button and next week you'll hear... And I looked at her and she said, all of this stuff, it is all junk. The only thing that you take with you is love. And it was this beautiful moment of my mom's soul, just who she really was. That's next week on Man Listening. Thanks.